y'all. Welcome to this week's episode of Unfit to Print. I'm your host, Amber Athey. I'm the Washington editor for The Spectator and a senior Blinkley fellow with the Steamboat Institute. Before we get started, please subscribe to the show on YouTube, Rumble, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. And if you'd like to become a premium subscriber, head on over to amberathey.supercast.com. You all know that typically on this program, we talk about a few different topics every week. But this week, this episode is only going to be about the most unprecedented, disgusting political targeting by the Department of Justice that we probably have ever seen in American history. On Monday night, Donald Trump confirmed that his residence at Mar-a-Lago down in Florida was raided by federal agents who were allegedly searching for classified documents that the former president took from the White House. The former president released a statement about the incident where agents reportedly showed up to his home in the morning and didn't leave until that evening and took several boxes with them. The president said, These are dark times for our nation as my beautiful home, Mar-a-Lago in Palm Beach, Florida, is currently under siege, raided, and occupied by a large group of FBI agents. Nothing like this has ever happened to a president of the United States before. After working and cooperating with the relevant government agencies, this unannounced raid on my home was not necessary or appropriate. It is prosecutorial misconduct, the weaponization of the justice system, and an attack by radical left Democrats who desperately don't want me to run for president in 2024, especially based on recent polls and who will likewise do anything to stop Republicans and conservatives in the upcoming midterm elections. Such an assault could only take place in broken third world countries. Sadly, America has now become one of those countries, corrupt at a level not seen before. They even broke into my safe. What is the difference between this and Watergate where operatives broke into the Democratic National Committee? Here, in reverse, Democrats broke into the home of the 45th president of the United States. According to reporting from the New York Times, this entire case centers not on anything related to conspiracy or the January 6th committee, nothing related to the investigations in New York and the Manhattan DA about tax fraud or allegedly inflating assets, nothing regarding the bogus Russian collusion narrative. This case is apparently about 15 boxes that were taken by the former president to Mar-a-Lago after he left the White House in January of 2021. Typically, all documents and records that are official from a president's time in the White House will go to the National Archives for sorting and storage. The National Archives apparently noticed that these boxes were missing and inquired with the Trump team about where they were. The Trump team let them know that they were in Mar-a-Lago and started working with the National Archives to facilitate their return. However, the National Archives escalated the situation. According to Kash Patel, who is a senior advisor to President Donald Trump, these documents had already been declassified. Trump apparently thought that the information within these boxes was important enough to share with the American people. And according to Patel, even when classified documents are declassified, the paper copies will still have the classification markings on them. So it takes a thorough review in order to determine which documents are still classified and which have been declassified. The National Archives, when they had the boxes returned to them in February of this year, claimed that 
there were tons of material within that were still classified. The National Archives continued to press the Trump team to return these 15 boxes, and back in February of this year, the Trump team complied. The 15 boxes were returned, and the National Archives then decided that they needed to take this to the DOJ. Even though they had had the materials returned, they looked into the boxes, decided that there was too much classified material within, and that Trump needed to have a criminal referral and they needed to get the Department of Justice involved in the case. Now, according to reporting from CNN, as well as Eric Trump, the former president's son, the Trump team has been cooperating with federal agents to make sure that all documents have been properly returned, whether classified or declassified. In fact, there was apparently a meeting at Mar-a-Lago earlier this year with federal agents where Trump lawyers sat down and showed them the documents that were still in their possession. So federal agents already knew what was on site at Mar-a-Lago and had the cooperation of the Trump team. So why was it necessary to go ahead and get a search warrant so that they could raid the premises and take whatever they wanted? If this is simply an argument over document retention that has been referred by the National Archives and was already being settled between Trump lawyers and federal agents, the entire premise for this raid is completely unnecessary and unjustified. Now, Trump's critics might say, well, if the former president violated the Presidential Records Act, then he should be held accountable because nobody is above the law. I agree that nobody should be above the law, but this is an uneven application of justice. It is not uncommon at all for former presidents to take certain documents with them when they leave the White House. And there is precedent for this, from none other than Bill and Hillary Clinton. In 2001, after George W. Bush assumed the presidency, Bill Clinton ransacked the White House. He not only trashed the place, leaving tens of thousands of dollars in damage, but he took gifts and furniture to the tune of $190,000. According to press reports from the time, the Clintons allegedly left behind filthy carpets, slashed computer cords, trash on the floor, profane messages on answering machines, graffiti, pornography left on computer screens, and an extensive amount of theft. And in an infamous jab at George W. Bush, they took all of the W's off of keyboards in the White House. The Clintons later acknowledged that they had taken almost $200,000 in gifts from the White House, including China, kitchenware, and TVs. These items were supposed to be donated to the White House itself, and the Clintons claimed that they believed they were gifts to them personally. Even after a Government Accountability Office report revealed just how much the Clintons had taken from the White House, they still didn't return everything. In fact, they offered to return just $28,000 in the gifts and paid for an additional 80-something thousand. The total value that they returned was 114000 despite taking almost $200,000 worth of items. You'll notice that the FBI never raided the Clintons' home to take back the stolen furniture. Nor did the FBI raid the home of Hillary Clinton to take away her personal devices after it was found that she was sharing classified material and storing classified documents on her personal cell phone. You'll also notice that the FBI never raided the home of the Clintons when Hillary, as the former Secretary of State, was found to have kept classified documents on her personal email account. They never went into her residence to take her phone or her computer and see if they could sort through what documents were actually present on her private servers. Instead, pending this investigation, they gave the Clinton team time to delete 
hundreds if not thousands of emails on her private server and use a bleach bit system in order to make sure that they were not recoverable. FBI Director James Comey even admitted at the end of the investigation that the FBI had not gone through every single one of the emails that was present on Clinton's server. Instead, they used keywords to search for specific documents. He also concluded in his report, just like when Bill Clinton was accused of stealing furniture, that this was all a misunderstanding. Hillary never intended to mishandle classified information, and so therefore, she was off the hook. I think Ari Fleischer, the former press secretary to George W. Bush, put it best. He said on Twitter, Did the DOJ really need to go to this length to enforce the Presidential Paperwork Act? Government lawyers and Trump lawyers couldn't figure this out? DOJ really had to resort to a raid? FBI didn't raid Hillary's home to search for her server. They didn't raid the DNC to get the server the Russians hacked. They didn't raid Clinton NSC advisor Sandy Berger's home to see if he had additional smuggled classified material. Why is Trump held to a different standard? And isn't that the million dollar question? Why is Trump held to a different standard? Why is he subject to an FBI raid over the perception that they could have classified documents that apparently they were already working with the FBI to return? Well, according to the U.S. federal code, a violation of the Presidential Records Act can bar someone from running for political office again. It also can lead to them serving jail time. Now, it's unlikely that this would actually bar someone from running for office because a legislative act doesn't supersede the requirements or rules for someone running for president that are outlined in the Constitution. But this could lead to a heavy legal entanglement. If Trump is indeed found to have violated the Presidential Records Act, and the Democrats say that under that legislation or under that U.S. code, he's actually not allowed to run for office again, that could lead to an insane legal entanglement that could sink his campaign. It's quite likely that this case would work its way up through the courts, potentially even going all the way up to SCOTUS. In that case, is the former president still allowed to campaign while that gets litigated in the courts? Or will he be barred from doing so until the 11th hour or even after the election is over? Democrats likely think that this would damage him enough to prevent him from winning again. And this could be their last-ditch effort because all of their other plans to take out Trump haven't worked. The January 6th committee is a year and a half into its investigation, and they have yet to bring up any material that would lead to a referral for criminal charges for the former president. In fact, most of their star witnesses have proven to be contradicting themselves. Remember Cassidy Hutchinson, who claimed that the former president had attempted to take the wheel of the Secret Service limo so that he could go to the Capitol with his supporters. Two of the Secret Service agents who were actually present on that day said that this never happened and that they would have never told Cassidy Hutchinson that it did happen. The Democrats, along with Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger, although I repeat myself, spent so much time and effort in those January 6th primetime hearings, and yet they still have gotten no closer to taking down former President Donald Trump. Then you have all of the court cases swirling around New York. The New York Attorney General's office is trying to accuse former President Donald Trump of inflating his business assets to secure loans, while the Manhattan District Attorney's Office has separately been accusing him of tax fraud. Some of these allegations have been swirling around and have been investigated since Trump took office, and yet still have not borne fruit. Then there's the infamous Russian collusion narrative, where President Donald Trump was accused of collaborating and conspiring with the Russian government to help him get elected in exchange for easing their sanctions and basically giving them an easy time. 
It turned out that Trump was actually one of the toughest presidents on Russia, and none of the allegations of collusion were borne out. Special Counsel Robert Mueller said that he found no evidence in his years-long investigation that Trump had colluded with the Russians. We also found out that several FISA warrants used to spy on former Trump campaign official Carter Page were obtained with false information. The applications for these FISA warrants used the now-debunked Steele dossier that contained Russian disinformation and was never verified by the FBI. And any attempts by the FBI to verify the Steele dossier used circular confirmation. Members of Christopher Steele's team leaked information from the dossier to the media, and the FBI then relied on those media reports as confirmation that what was in the dossier was true, even though the source was still Christopher Steele. And we also know that at least one or two FBI agents who were tasked with investigating Trump had exhibited deep bias against him. Let's never forget, too, that the Democrats rested their laurels on creepy porn lawyer Michael Avenatti, who claimed that he was going to get Trump on campaign finance violations related to payments to Stormy Daniels. What's Michael Avenatti doing now? Oh yeah, he's going to prison. So after every harebrained scheme that the left has cooked up to keep Trump out of office, damage him politically, or just otherwise get him out of the spotlight, do we really think it would be above the FBI to either fabricate or trump up this search warrant? And certainly something like this would make its way all the way to the top levels of the FBI, if not the DOJ, which means Attorney General Merrick Garland probably approved this raid. Merrick Garland was considered a moderate back when the Democrats were pushing him for the Supreme Court ahead of the 2016 election. And thank God the Republicans didn't fall for it. Can you imagine if he were on the Supreme Court this past summer cycle when they handed out all of those fabulous conservative decisions? The so-called moderate Merrick Garland has been responsible for perhaps the most egregious politicization of the Department of Justice in this country's modern history. Garland failed to act when protesters illegally gathered outside of the Supreme Court justices' homes to protest an impending decision overturning Roe v. Wade. People are not allowed to picket outside of Supreme Court justices' homes because it can be seen as an attempt to intimidate and to sway the judicial process. Yet Garland didn't do anything about it, even after one individual traveled all the way from California with the intent to assassinate multiple Supreme Court justices. Garland was happy to use the full force of the DOJ, though, when he started investigating parents who showed up at school board meetings to protest a variety of different issues, including mask mandates, school closures, gender ideology, and critical race theory. These parents were labeled with a threat tag, similar to how it would be done for a domestic terrorist. And that investigation was also propped up on a false premise. The whole investigation into these school board parents started because of a letter to the Biden administration from the National School Board Administration that claimed there was an increase in threats and violent incidents at school board meetings. That turned out to be false. If you actually read the letter, you'll find out that most of the incidents cited by the NSBA are actually just parents speaking passionately and speaking angrily about what was being done to their kids, and yet they were to be considered on the same level as domestic terrorists. What are some of Merrick Garland's other greatest hits? Well, last June, he announced that he was going to sue Georgia because of its election integrity law, claiming that requiring voter ID and limiting absentee ballots was discriminatory. And in September, the DOJ sued Texas for enacting an abortion ban after six weeks. Let's not forget that there were 20 Senate Republicans who voted across party lines to confirm Merrick Garland to the attorney general position. I'm going to read you their names now. Senator Roy Blunt, Richard Burr, Shelley Moore Capito, Bill Cassidy, 
Susan Collins, John Cornyn, Joni Ernst, Lindsey Graham, Chuck Grassley, Jim Inhofe, Ron Johnson, James Lankford, Mitch McConnell, Jerry Moran, Lisa Murkowski, Rob Portman, Mitt Romney, Mike Rounds, John Thune, and Tom Tillis. I asked them in October of 2021, after the DOJ's politicization of these school board protests, if they regretted voting to confirm Merrick Garland. None of them responded. Plenty of them had time to hand ring on social media about the actions the DOJ was taking, but none said that they wish they hadn't have voted for AG Merrick Garland to take that post. Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell has said nothing about this unjust and excessive raid on the former president's home. This is a threat to democracy. That's what the left always tells us. This is the shattering of our institutions and norms. And Mitch McConnell is nowhere to be found. Luckily, some Republicans seem to have developed something of a spine, at least Fingers crossed they actually follow through on it. House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy says, I've seen enough. The Department of Justice has reached an intolerable state of weaponized politicization. When Republicans take back the House, we will conduct immediate oversight of this department, follow the facts, and leave no stone unturned. Attorney General Garland, preserve your documents and clear your calendar. This is what we want to see. And I will be making sure that Kevin McCarthy, if Republicans do take back the House, is going to follow through on this promise. Let's wrap up with a few other housekeeping items, if you will. Just interesting things that I think you guys should know about this raid. One of the judges who signed off on the search warrant actually used to work for Jeffrey Epstein. I know it sounds crazy, it sounds like QAnon, but this is 100% real. Judge Bruce Reinhardt, who previously worked as a U.S. attorney in South Florida, left the U.S. attorney's office on January 1st, 2008, to work as a representative for Jeffrey Epstein's employees. The U.S. attorney's office actually tried to go after him for this switch, claiming that he contained confidential information about the case being built against Jeffrey Epstein and could have used that information in order to help the client defend himself. Judge Bruce Reinhardt was later elevated to be a U.S. magistrate judge. I saw some misinformation floating around claiming that because he was elevated to this position in 2018, that that meant that former President Donald Trump himself nominated Bruce Reinhardt to the position. That is not true. It's actually the district court that decides who gets to sit in the magistrate judge seat. It certainly seems to be a rather odd coincidence that a former buddy of Jeffrey Epstein was involved in signing off on this search warrant for the raid on President Trump's home. Another odd coincidence, New York Times reporter Maggie Haberman has a new book coming out on October 4th about President Donald Trump. Authors will typically release some scoops or scooplets from their book to various news outlets in the hope of drumming up sales. But two months out from the book's release date seems a little bit aggressive. Nonetheless, the morning before the raid, Axios happened to obtain photographs from Maggie Haberman's book that they published as a scoop. Oddly enough, the morning before this raid at Mar-a-Lago, a scoop from Maggie Haberman's book that purported to prove that Donald Trump has been mishandling documents since he was in office was published in Axios. Photos provided from Maggie Haberman to Axios seem to show handwritten notes from President Donald Trump in toilets at the White House and on Air Force One. The former president was allegedly trying to flush these handwritten notes down the toilet which would be considered another breach of the Presidential Records Act and a mishandling of official documents. Doesn't it seem like a little bit too great of a coincidence that these photos alleging that Trump had mishandled documents while in office 
show up the same day of an FBI raid meant to boost the claim that Trump had mishandled documents after leaving office? Is it possible that the New York Times knew that this raid was coming and yet refused to publish a story about it because they didn't want to tip off the former president? Well, if you follow Glenn Greenwald's reporting about the New York Times being basically a CIA and FBI mouthpiece, it wouldn't be all that surprising. Overall, the FBI raids of Trump's home at Mar-a-Lago is a sign that the Biden administration will do anything to sink their political opponents. It's not going to stop with Trump, just like it didn't stop with Alex Jones or Roger Stone or any other members of the right that were considered too hot to touch. The Biden administration just approved adding tens of thousands of more IRS agents. Do we really think that they're not going to come after average American conservatives next? This is unfortunately a sign of things to come, and we better be ready. That's it for this week's episode of Unfit to Print. As always, thank you guys for watching. We will see you next week. And if you have a moment, please subscribe on YouTube, Rumble, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts, and become a premium subscriber at amberathy.supercast.com. We'll see you next week.